Hi, I'm Tristan Miller, and this is Positive and Negative, a podcast about the intersectionality between mental health and the arts. Today on the podcast, I speak with comedian Katie Boyle about childhood trauma and the cultural differences between America and Ireland. Here she is speaking about moving forward after childhood trauma. So for anybody who's cut off a parent or had a trauma or has a traumatic relationship with their parent, like you just got to start now from day one and kind of go and then it gets better and better and better. And it's going to take time. People expect things instantly. Isn't it? You're not going to be better straight away. It's going to take years. But every day, every day, every space and step you put past it is better. Our theme song is To Be or Now off of the album Leaping With Intent to Fly by Billy Conahan. It's available wherever fine music is sold. You can support this podcast on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Tristan J. Miller for early access to extended interviews as well as the archive of the first couple of seasons of the program. All right, let's hear from Katie. So, obviously, uh, you're from Ireland. And when did you move here to the States? Seven years ago. Okay. Did you move to America to pursue stand-up or were you just like, I have to get out of Ireland? No, I didn't come here to do comedy. I just, yeah, wanted to get out of Ireland. That was it, really. Um, I came here on a holiday once and Mm -hmm. I, I just really liked it. And I'd broken up with a boyfriend that I lived with. So just seemed like, you know, put a continent between the an ocean. <laughs> sure. That absolutely makes sense. And did you explore other options besides the States or did you fall in love with America? Uh, I thought about Berlin, um, but then I preferred New York. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when did you start doing comedy? Six uh, years ago and uh, like three months. So six and a quarter, I guess, nearly. Okay, so you're one of those people that that really keeps track of when you started. No, I just know the month, so it's just <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's just easier um, to say because I know it. Mm-hmm. What led to that? Uh, I didn't like the internship I was in. It was a an art internship. I was working at MoMA, um, mm-hmm. PS One, so it was right across the street from Creek in the Cave, which doesn't exist anymore, but. Um, I just started going watching shows and then one night I did it and I was just like oh I love this and then I did it every night for like a few years basically. Hmm. Okay was comedy something you'd ever considered before that? No never not in 100 years. You were doing an internship for an art museum or is that in your background? You're yeah yeah art- I have a visual art degree. Oh what was that well, like? Uh, it was great I loved it I loved being an artist but I didn't like working in the behind the scenes part of it you know I didn't understand any of that because that's not what I learned so it was great that I got the internship but I wasn't right for the job I did end up learning a lot of stuff which helped with comedy just like promoting shows and because it turned out to be more like an events internship Um, but yeah um being an artist was great but it's hard to be an artist in New York because you don't have a lot of your material it's very isolating it can be I felt like the people I met in the art world over here were a little like some were pretentious and some were a little cold or clicky. And I felt like the comedy community was very different, very like open and and um, 
yeah, and just nice and sweeter. And then you could work on something and find out that night if it was even good instead of kind of putting effort and energy into stuff that you don't find out for a while if it's good. Mm-hmm. Has having an art background influenced your method of doing stand-up, do you think? Yeah, definitely. Because in art college, they do like weekly uh, critiques. So every week, and you can't say anything good. It has to be something that can, um, not necessarily negative, but like it has to be a critique on how they could make it better. Um, And a lot of the time it would be negative and you just can't get offended or insulted. You just have to, because people have different perspectives of what they're seeing or so you have to listen and see how you can make it the work better. So I think for like, going into comedy it made me not offended when a joke didn't work it was just like oh I just need to make it better so it kind of takes away your ego towards your your work your creativity Mm -hmm. is that did you find that process difficult when you were in art school are you a sensitive person I'm a sensitive person yeah but um no because it was everybody so it wasn't just like you were targeted (laughs) there was like times when I would have made a work and hearing like a lecturer let's say just see something in it that is like completely far-fetched from what I would see and that would be irritating because it's like well that's not what what my intent was or what I meant um Mm -hmm. but that's also just like good because people are going to see or hear things differently from depending on their perspective so that also helps with jokes as well because I could say Mm -hmm. something and someone else might you know just take it a different way Mm -hmm. and how, how do you go about writing a joke these days um I write on stage mostly so I'll just think of a story and then the pressure to make it funny on stage I kind of think of the punchlines for the most part I do tweet and do tiktoks and stuff like that and that helps with coming up for like the basis of a joke Mm -hmm. well usually on stage it's like where I find it do you think that's linked at all with the tradition of Irish storytelling do you think that's like in your bones to just go up and talk yeah yeah every Irish person I know is a good storyteller for the most part um and the comedians back home are really funny uh for the most part like it is sometimes longer for a punchline whereas here I feel like the intention span Mm. is really low so um that's good to like learn I started comedy here so I learned how to like edit my words very quickly and get to the funny very quickly but in Ireland people are always telling stories and yeah definitely 100% my my dad is like the funniest person I know he's like a big storyteller so I I do agree I feel like there's a fast pacedness to American comedy these days um and you were saying you did adapt was it difficult to kind of have Um, a mindset shift no not really Mm -hmm. um like no I I didn't I didn't there's things though that I just don't find funny and like those people are like on tv or like they're getting like a late night credit and I'm like I don't see how that's funny but that's just a different like humor like ideally I want to be able to be funny in my country and be funny here Mm -hmm. so that's something I don't want to ever like lean into this side too much or lose or lean into my into the Irish style too much either um but I yeah and also as well you want to be unique as well as so I don't want to be too much of the New York style but there is like a certain style here that's for a late night it's not for in real life comedy yeah yeah I would agree My with that notice so you do think there's a difference in style between American comedy and other places yeah how would you define those 
I guess. Um, there's so many. Well, there's so many different styles between New York comedy. Well, firstly, to generalize everything, Irish comedy is more storytelling. It takes longer to get to a punchline a lot of the time. This isn't all the comedians. There's some comedians in Dublin who are much more quicker and stuff because of just globalization I think mm-hmm. um and people's attention spans are getting less but um but I would say for the general that's what I noticed and here it's like uh every 15 seconds has to be like a well-written written joke or like a you know like a punchline um but so it's like little laughs instead of like building up to a huge laugh which I find mm-hmm. is that that was just what I noticed and I could be completely wrong um, and then within New York, there's different styles. Like you can always see someone's influence or what borough they come from. Because Brooklyn's all like, and like okay, <laughs> um, sure. There's like just these different, um, even different boroughs have a different style. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned your your dad growing up, and one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on this podcast was I watched you on a storytelling show and you had opened up about your childhood and how very dramatic and dare I say traumatic that was. Yeah. Can you give a little insight as to what was going on in your early years, as they say? Um, yeah, I guess basically just my, I grew up and my mother is probably undiagnosed mental health issues and, um, mm-hmm. and re- ever refused to kind of get that sorted. So it's not an excuse for her bad behavior either because she's unwilling to even accept that. Um, but yeah, she was just like uh, very violent um, to my fa- to my dad anyway. And uh, like everything was walking on eggshells. Everything you say would be twisted and changed. Um, uh, she was just very paranoid, jealous. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of it was just a like when you're growing up in it I guess it's normal because you're just a kid but the older you get you're like oh fuck this is pretty this is pretty toxic (laughs) yeah uh do you think that's influenced your relationships as an adult yeah yeah definitely like I find so I dated a lot of men who were like very like my mother like very crazy very possessive very jealous very like quick to argue or like change your words let's say gaslighting mm-hmm. but I'm like I grew up in it so I know how to handle that situation I know how to diffuse it I know how to kind of like stand my ground with what I said and it's kind of comfortable for a long time but then it was just like okay I need to stop um <laughs> and just take somebody nice uh and then uh friendships as well like I've had certain French like I've kind of gravitated to people who seem like maybe a bit mentally unwell (laughs) um just because I like to help people and I like again have a high tolerance for crazy Mm -hmm. so that's something that I've had to like uh Mario Kondo my life with people I said this to my roommate last night he was laughing but it was like true because I've had friends that I realized I'm like their emotional support dog or Mm but not their friend they would go out for a drink with, let's say, but they could call me every week to talk about their problems. And I'm like great at giving advice and being like, you know, blah, blah. Um, and then, so before that it was with men and then it was with friends. So trying to be like, okay, I need to stop trying to fix people or like having these people in my space. Um, because yeah, it's not normal. Um, yeah. Well, and- not to me, but not good for your brain. 
Sure, sure, yeah. And you're saying you're going through kind of the process of doing that. Is it difficult to not go towards your natural tendencies? Yeah, I guess so. But I'm also just like exhausted by it all. So at this point, I'm like, I'm just like, sure. I, I had a, you know, a situation where a person was like, do you want to talk about what was going on? And I, I feel very like it's in one way, it's not their fault because I was always there to help. I'm always like, are you okay? What can I do for you? So I set the boundaries of our relationship. So for years, I was this person. So in like, yes, of course, they should, you know, uh, like realize like, oh, we should like hang out and do fun stuff too. But it's hard. It's hard for me to be like, like I also was being the person like it's hard for that if you're being a certain way the whole time and then you just like stop being it they're like but mm -hmm. this is the way you always were you always wanted to um so when they asked did I want to like talk about it I was like I don't I don't want to I just want to distance myself from all that stuff because um I don't want to have to like I'm kind of exhausted having to tell people how to be or how to treat me like you know you're dating these like abusive people and you're like you should just be nice to me and it's just <laughs> like uh, I just I just put in, my stepmom says this thing she says give like when when you see something like give them a wide berth mm -hmm. so that's kind of what I've been doing like the last few years is like trying to if I notice it try to like a well be better and not like just automatically be someone's therapist because like because of course they're gonna just take free advice and I'm not qualified for that <laughs> Um, and it just makes me exhausted, but yeah, no, I don't, I'm just like, um, cleaning up house a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then when you're wasting your energy with these, like people who need all this, like help and constant reassurance or need like, or have like drama, drama in their life and they need this like supportive friend, you're wasting your energy on other friends who are just like, who will, who will be as there for you as you are there for them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Do you think any amount of your self-worth is tied up in helping people? Yeah, probably for a long time. And I think probably a lot of it was like, oh, I felt like I was very fixed with all the shit I went through, which was like mm -hmm. really traumatic. You know, it was like 18 years of you always had to watch what you say or, you know, mm -hmm. some of the stuff my mom did was like really like sick and inappropriate and um, not like just like now I'm like shit that's like shit CIA agents do you know <laughs> like, I didn't know whatever it was information she was trying to get um but uh yes yeah, so I think a lot of it was like I thought I was fixed and I would see people who were like kind of broken because of like a bad relationship with their parents or um like a mental health issue and I'm like oh but I'm well I can help them and mm -hmm. you know I had depression and I was suicidal and I'm still alive but also now I just realized that I was just like I wasn't fixed so <laughs> sure <laughs> like, yeah I wasn't fixed at all so yeah. What led you to being depressed? Was it your your mom situation or was there something yeah, else? Yeah. No, no, no. That was it. Because when I chose mm -hmm. to leave, it was just like her, the, her side of the family were very like mafia about it and very like involved and uh, nasty. But like mm -hmm. now that I'm 31, I'm like, well, I was a child and they are all accomplices in this bad behavior because um it's like, for example, like with the Me Too movement, you know, you got some guy who's assaulting some woman in the office what about all the other people who were there you know you just mm -hmm. turn your head and you're like you're all you're all complicit um and that's it you know and we are as people you know we don't want to get involved you don't want to make a make a scene or get involved in other people's business but now that I'm like 
31. I'm like, I was a fucking kid. Okay. And they gave me shit because it was easier having to deal, having her distracted with me than them having to listen to her instead of them being like, you clearly have mental health issues. You need to like, because, and if she doesn't have mental health issues, then she's just like a demon because you know there's no logical there's not it's it's she's not in the world of logic she's in the world of and she's not in the world she never wanted a relationship with me anyway I was only a tool to whatever made her um her story so let's say like uh when I left home there wasn't like a hey let's talk about it what's going on and there never was but there was a go to my school say all this shit to my teachers there was a shit say all this shit to people who were, who lived in our town there was um even she tried to get me cancelled off my podcast recently and I haven't spoken to her in 14 years she she when I left a few years later I got a job at the other side of our town just because that's where I got the job and I had a boyfriend who ended up living in our town but it's like there's like a, like over 10,000 people who live there so it's easy to be on the other side and never bump into each other um uh, but of course the restaurant I was working in it it at, at some stage she could of course come in but she knew I was there and she knew we weren't talking so the respectful thing would be to not but she started hooking up with the owner of the hotel so while I'd be picking up glasses and we weren't talking to each other and for like a whole year this was going on no one knew she was my mother she was dry humping him like while I would pick up glasses around them so like all my coworkers were always like, oh, this boss, like it's so inappropriate. And it is like inappropriate. It's like 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. You don't need to dry hump them. Like I'm sex positive, but like it's, there is like we live in a, you know, a society and there is these certain rules for these for certain situations. You know, you don't need a kid seeing that. Um, but when they did, when it came out that she was my mother, because the guys started working there, he went to school with me and they were all like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't believe I'm saying all the shit. And you never said anything. And I was like, I just didn't want to be associated with her. We haven't spoken. I didn't want to get into it. So it's like it's always stuff like that, you know, like she's very sick, like with her games, like mm-hmm. and then for at the time, I think I was like 22, 23. That's like really shit for a 22, 23 year old to have to just be like, I got to be strong. I got to just pick up the glasses. I got to keep, you know, compartmentalized yeah. and just do my job. Um. And that's how messed in the head she is. Like, it's always a, just a weird game, which makes no sense in our world, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you think you carry with you some, like, hypervigilance or anxiety because of those actions that you're, like, concerned that when you meet new people that they're going to be trying to do the same thing with you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, not... Um, I guess not friends per se. Yeah, like I guess with partners maybe. Um, but maybe I don't know. I I I don't know because I've had people do similar stuff and then be like shocked that I let myself get in a similar situation. <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck? Like I never learn. Um, but no, I guess I guess not. I don't know. I guess uh, people are capable of anything, you know. So. Mm. But I, I do try to, if I see like it instantly, like if there's someone who will change what you've said or um, isn't going to sit down and have a logical conversation with you about something or is like extremely dramatic or um, any of those things, I do try to distance myself if I can now that I'm older. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, my mistake before was when I was younger, if someone was like that, I would like try to be like, what's going on? Like, can we talk about this? But now I know that certain people just aren't in the same log- logical world that you're in um, and they don't 
want to have like a convert like if I were to sit down and people are like why don't you sit down and talk about your mom your mother and like that's never gonna that because I'll be like hello how are you and she'll be like she called me a cunt <laughs> I do you know it's never mm-hmm. uh so am I hyper vigilant the question I don't think so no but once I see it I probably would put distance with myself with a person like that um yeah like I had a friend and he was seeing this girl and all the stuff he told me was very similar to my mother very emotionally abusive and like I see her around, but like I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I haven't made the effort to like be like, let's go out and have dinner. I'm like, I'm not giving her any reason to think that we're friends, <laughs> but I'm yeah. not gonna be rude. I'm not gonna give her any reason to think that we're enemies either. <laughs> yeah, she sure. will burn down your house. <laughs> but sure. I think, yeah, just when I see it, I'm probably more aware of it. I try to put distance. Mm-hmm. And when you you were depressed and you you said you were like suicidal, how did you get through that? just time i have this saying and i say like um all of this stuff is like because i think a big problem with america and our generation actually maybe even i don't i feel like in ireland you're allowed to be sad a little better but but you also don't talk about it so Mm. you just kind of get on with things which is bad too but there's this thing that we should be happy all the time and that's like completely impossible now being depressed is different because it's like a void um but it was just time just did the time like as it Mm -hmm. like even though i didn't do the crime it was that it, that's what it is it's like an emotional prison so I say that a lot to people when they're like sad about stuff or like if they've gone through a breakup it is just like um yeah you just have to sit it out and for me that was it just a few months sitting it out and then eventually got better but I wasn't gonna kill myself like I did feel suicidal but I wasn't gonna kill myself just because like I would feel bad with my dad and my brothers and sisters and stuff like that mm-hmm. and like that's not saying that other people who do that that they're bad for not thinking about that mm-hmm. but that was just something that came into my head and I'm lucky that I wasn't at the part where because I totally understand why people would commit suicide it's and I think people who don't understand it's like okay well you haven't been to that point where you're just like it's hurts more to be alive so mm-hmm. it makes sense why they would want to be like fuck this I I can't deal with that and that's awful to be in that place so I'm just I just sat it out and then it went away but that doesn't happen for everybody and some people struggle with it like every few months so I was just lucky you know does it ever creep back sometimes yeah but it's uh, just like I just you know just wait till it goes away I'm never yeah. gonna kill myself so you just kind of sit with it yeah, that is a very like almost zen and uh, holistic cure. <laughs> just yeah, but I also put up with my mother for eighteen years, so <laughs> That's I kind of and the whole time with her, I was like, just wait, three more years, okay, two more years, one more mm-hmm. year, and you're out of here. Um, so uh, I probably have come from a different situation where I know that time can pass and I can be on the other side of it. So yeah, yeah, and you mentioned like. In Ireland, people kind of allow themselves to feel sad. What would you say are the biggest differences between American culture and Irish culture dealing with like mental health issues and stuff like that? Um, I think it's like better here because you are told more to go to therapy and talk about your problems. And that's great. I think for some people, though, maybe they're talking about stuff that they probably don't need to. It'd probably be just easier to get, out, get on with it. It's not that big of a you know, like making a mountain out of a molehill, is that what it's called? Yep. Um, but in the reverse, in Ireland, I think people don't talk about it enough and they don't know. It's like we were never given um, the words for the emotions we feel um, mm. because it's a very like, ugh, culture. Like, ugh, yeah, <laughs> not a lot of words. <laughs> um, and, and again, it's different for different people's families and depending on what 
level you know of education or what um your parents are like you know I grew up like sort of over poor not poor but like mm. it was just pretty you know basic no one was talking about sex ed or um you know feelings or yeah I do or like emotional intelligence so I think it, it's very frustrating it's like when a kid is two and they're trying to explain that they're hungry but they don't know how to communicate it so they're having a temper tantrum and I mm. think if you don't have the words for your feelings it can be very stressful so I think for like Irish culture we're like get on with it push it down don't deal with it but that can come out in an explosive reaction maybe if a guy is drunk and he's punching a wall or having a fight with someone or yeah so um I think you can learn from both I think the American way is probably like the New York City we're talking about because the rest of America is probably like Ireland as well the you know going to a therapist is good and helps and it's like a massage for your brain um but also sometimes you just gotta move on from stuff like there's some things where I'm like I'll have friends and they'll be like I want to you know it's this person upset me I want to sit down and talk to them and I want to confront them and uh, let them know my feelings and like yeah great but also that's a load of fucking energy um you know like <laughs> yeah, are they yeah. really are they working in your life maybe just fucking you've tons of friends you probably don't need that person you don't it's not your job to teach them how to behave they've been shite and you know kind of there's lots of good people in the world uh I'm not a big fan for kind of I don't want to have to teach people how to behave or 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 I've had friends who've been like well I talked to my therapist about this and they said what such and such did was really bad and I'm like in that situation I'm like maybe you should talk to them mm, because mm-hmm. you're so I've just contradicted myself but you know maybe cut out the middleman and talk to them or it might be like delays the process so yeah I kind of just contradicted myself there but you know what I mean like certain yeah. each situation is different but I think sometimes it's better just to get on get on with things in in certain aspects yeah, is it is it worth confronting? Other than waiting it out, what would your biggest piece of advice be to someone who is just coming out of a traumatic living situation with their folks? Oh, I'm like a big break up with your parents if they're being because because there's a lot of like it's so easy to abuse your power as a parent. Like I gave birth to you or I created you or I mm-hmm. raised you. You owe me this. And parents, your children owe you nothing, you know, um, if you wanted to have kids, that's on you. Uh, other than that, it's not on them to take care of you or to raise you or to oh, they don't owe you anything if they want to go live their life and travel or you can be like, oh, I'm alone or whatever, all of that stuff. So it's always like if it was a boyfriend or a girlfriend treating you that way people would be like break up with them so it's okay to like be like absolve yourself of guilt and you don't really owe them yeah like of course be respectful and be caring but if your parent is doing something that is causing you anxiety or trauma if it's about a partner or that you need to do this for them or you need to like take care of them and if you want to do that, that's fine. Because it's like a lot of health. Like my boyfriend is a, has a really healthy relationship with his parents and he talks to them every day and his mom visits. And that's great. So I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying if it is emotionally abusive or violent or any of those things, like you have to just mind yourself. Because the other thing was they're not minding you. They weren't minding you. Their job, they failed at their job. So you have to just start like taking, like minding yourself. So for anybody who's cut off a parent or had a trauma or has a traumatic relationship with their parent, like you just got to start now from day one and kind of go and then it gets better and better and better. And it's going to take time. People expect things instantly. It's not, you're not going to be better straight away. It's going to take years. 
but every day every day every space and step you put past it is like better like people will still be like to me would you not reconnect with your mother and I'm like I'm not resetting that I'm doing great and it took me years to get to where I'm at no it's that she had 18 years time is done um and yeah you can't you don't have to so my advice is just again time time will make everything better but you gotta just it's like when you have an ex-boyfriend and then you you're done for two months and then he texts saying I'm better and then you talk to him again and it's the same shit again Mm -hmm. so it's it's I think it's like we are so and it's also there's also children who abuse their parents um you know my uh friend is a social worker and she said there's like a lot of elder abuse from their parents or from the kids if it's child or physical or sexual so there's also like kids who are abusing elderly parents as well. So I think family sometimes can be like this idea that family is great and stuff, but it can be like also the most dangerous place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is really dark. Sorry, but well, I mean, it's, it's just, okay. Yeah. So it's not just like kids. There's some old parents who are like, yeah. Again. Yeah. At the very least, families are complicated. Yeah. The minimum. They're complicated. Uh, do you still draw or do visual art, graphic no. design? No? I just, no, I just paint sometimes for like presents because I'm poor. <laughs> like a five-year-old. Does any of your, your emotional baggage, does it ever get in the way of, of being funny, do you think? No, I don't no? think so. No, I think a lot of it helps. It helps uh, how? Well, because it... A lot of me dealing with all of that stuff, and it's a very Irish thing as well, but when you deal with bad stuff, you communicate it by making it funny so it's easier for you to tell and it's digestible for the person. Mm-hmm. So for years when people would ask me about my mother, I would always like make it funny so that they're not feeling bad listening and I'm not feeling bad telling it. And it's just mm-hmm. easier, more digestible, um, which I'm sure isn't great for like therapy shit, but uh, it makes it easier to get up on stage and make the story funny because it's just an automatic default mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and yeah like i wouldn't be doing stand-up if i wasn't a little fucked up if i didn't live with my mother i'd be at a home having kids with like some nice man i yeah. wouldn't have dated abusive men i wouldn't have moved to america and i wouldn't be living in this complete psychopath world that we live in like i love comedians i love my life and i love comedy but it is insane like the way like one booker could treat you another booker could be real nice the way you could you might have to chase like it this the giving up your nightlife giving up like like this is an insane life Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is crazy and like it's constant like you know you're you're doing a patreon and people are paying and then like one month five people quit and you're like what am i doing wrong like why can't i, I that's like you're it's who who would choose to do this in their right mind <laughs> like it is yeah. insane um and i my favorite place to be is on stage in like the whole world mm-hmm. um i love being on stage so every time i think like that i go do a show and i'm like oh yeah this is like worth it but is it i don't know like if mm-hmm. i never i like if, if i if my if i went live with my dad maybe i'd be like maybe i'd have kids now and i'd just be like a soccer mom like, <laughs> hey go kick the ball and just like have no need to be this like uh you know prove myself to the world like i'm fine look at me i'm you know it's fucking ridiculous <laughs> what do you what do you think you get out of being on stage that is so good I don't know. No. Yeah, no, I don't know. I just love it. I love 
I, 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 I don't know, it's just where I feel at most, maybe myself. And I have control of the room. I've control of the conversation and yeah, just making people laugh and seeing them like relate to a situation. And, mm-hmm. and I think a lot, like I love talking about stuff that uh, people don't talk about per se, or that they're like, will be embarrassed to say out loud. So that's kind of fun. Like, mm-hmm. like, this is fine. This is normal. We all go through it, but yeah, it's funny and fucked up and weird. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Just really like, I would, I would, if I were after doing it now for so long and doing great shows and stuff, if you were to say comedy was over forever and I was like, just like hanging out with normal friends on the weekend, I wouldn't think that's more fun than doing stand up. So like when I'm mm-hmm. doing shows at night and my friends are having a party, I don't feel FOMO that I'm like missing mm-hmm. out because I prefer. Plus it's very sociable. You meet a lot of different people and it's just like an interesting, yeah, it's kind of like a fun. Yeah. It also, I mean, it feels like you're creating a safe, controlled environment in which you kind of get to control the narrative, mm-hmm. which, if I may be so bold as to say, sounds like the opposite of what you went through as a kid. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I also find as well, not as deep as that, but sometimes in conversations, you know, especially like, um, it's like even when I was growing up and stuff well my dad was always the funny one mm-hmm. and you know sometimes he would zone off when I'm talking a little bit because it, and you have to like keep his attention so much or like with a group of guys like I had this boyfriend and I would say something funny to him and then he would say it out loud and everybody would la- be laughing mm-hmm. and it's like it was harder to keep people's attention when you're talking so I think with comedy, it's like I have everybody's attention. I'm making them laugh. It's a one-sided conversation. I'm happy to have a conversation, but it's nice to be like, I got this. We're doing this. Because um, I don't like improv. I don't want to work with some. I don't like working <laughs> with, with someone. I don't, I hate as well. Like I hate working for people. Like I hate having, I like my job. I just worked one day a week and I like my job because my bosses are like, they don't give a, f- like they just do their own thing. They're not annoying me. But like, mm-hmm. I hate having to work under someone. I like doing my own thing, being my own boss. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all my fault of it. You know, in the end, if I don't do well, it's my fault. It's like, okay, you weren't in the mood. You weren't connecting. You can't be like, oh, like such and such isn't pulling their weight at work or. Yeah. 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 Well. I have everything I need from you. Great. Thank you. Um, is there anything else you want to say before you go? Okay. Well, but, thank you so much for having me. I guess if any of your listeners want to find me, it's Katie Boyle Comic. Please message. Don't text my mom and tell her I was talking about her because she's going to get me canceled again. Can you quick tell? I know you have to leave, but can you tell me what that means when she tried to get you canceled? What is that? Well, I guess two years ago on my podcast, my old co-host, he had a weird relationship with his mother. So he just talked about it and I talked about mine, but I never like even with you now, I'm not getting into details of like the really gross stuff, which she should be like, she should have listened and been like, oh, this is great. She didn't say the real fucked up shit I did. (laughs) Um, But just because I I don't feel comfortable talking about it, but I'm so it wasn't like I just said she was like emotionally abusive and she was and she was like physically abusive to my dad like I saw that you know mm-hmm. we would have to like lock ourselves in the bathroom to get away from her and stuff like that so I said that on the podcast I said I said that we had to lock ourselves in the bathroom then my co-host went off and had like a bit about it which was really uncomfortable because I think he forgot it was me who said it and then me and my dad went to the show and because I was opening and he was like 
is that us? And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, unless it's some other family went through exactly what we went through. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so, but anyway, she listened to it, which is mad because like, I don't even know why she's doing that. And then her sister wrote a letter, like kind of as if she was like a lawyer, even though she's not a fucking lawyer. Sure. Um, and she wrote the, like my co-host's management agency trying to get me like cancelled off the podcast. Um, but he was like upset about it like the email was so gaslighty she accused me of saying my mother sexually abused me which I never did and if you Mm. listen to the episode I never said that and then she said she had to leave the town over it and it's like bitch I had to leave the continent over you so like (laughs) fuck off um but yeah she just was like um it was very gaslighty the whole thing and it was just again an illogical letter it didn't make sense it was like okay clearly whatever you're hearing out of your Spotify you're not hearing right either. You just mm-hmm. pe- like press them and write like it's. And then she told people in my family that I said all this stuff. And then someone's uh, my aunt said it to my cousin was like, I can't believe she had all this stuff. And then my cousin was like, did you listen to it? Because she didn't. Mm. And then she was like, no, I didn't listen to it. And she was like, OK, well, then don't you're just doing like um, you're hearing you're you're talking about it's it's like when people do stuff like that like did you hear what Biden said and it's like no Michelle and John and Paul spread something from like a do you know it's like we yeah. we never double check our information yeah so and all and my cousin was like just press play you'll like you just listen to yourself before you make any of these uh, and then she was like oh yeah you're right she didn't say that so yeah it's just a different they're living in a different world a different reality um, mm-hmm. that's it okay. Well, thank you for sharing. I really do appreciate your your openness and I appreciate you coming on. Thanks. Great to see you. 